Hello, everybody, and welcome to Horror Zone 607. We're the podcast that talks all things horror and brings you the week's biggest horror movie news. I'm your host, Spooky Mike C. We are here, week two of Halloween Fest. We're excited to talk about it. We love talking about the Halloween movies, and it's going to be an exciting second half of the show talking about this week, Halloween 2. Not Rob Zombies, but the original 1981 Halloween 2. And we've got a whole, well, not, not a lot of news, but we got some fun news to talk about this week. It's kind of a kind of a slow week for news here, but some big things to talk about nonetheless, but we can't do that without introducing first the gentleman, and I use that word very loosely, sitting to my right. He's our very own version of Leonardo da Vinci. He's rich. That is true. I, I mean, I prefer if we're talking about turtles, Michelangelo. By the way, speaking of Michelangelo and the turtles, The Last Ronin, I know it's not uh, on point there, but that is the new turtle comic book that they've been coming out with. Super fucking good. Isn't there a Frankenstein Raphael? There is, there is, there is, there's, that's going down too. But The Last Ronin, really good. Uh, without being spoilery, Michelangelo's the only one left. Oh. Just saying. Whoa. The turtles died? Dystopian future. You have to find out for yourself. You know what? I'll spoil They're it. just going to bring it back. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 8, The Revenge. That would be awesome. But that would be awesome. Anyways, yeah, it's, it's been a good week. I've uh, finally uh, gotten over the New York Comic Con hangover. I'm finally starting to feel normal. The NYC blues. But I do want, speaking of NYCC, I do want to point out uh, this week we were going to bring you some of that Ghost Hunters, Kindred Spirit stuff. However, the audio is still not <laughs> to my liking. Uh, Mike C got to hear the raw audio, and it sounds yeah, like, yeah. it literally sounds like whoosh. And a little bit in of the Dave Tango. And then Dave Tango, very low, low, low He's talker. He's a low talker. Very low talker. But anyways, we are going to do that. But the cool part is next week's show, we're going to put it in there because that's going to really stoke up the excitement because the first episode of the Ghost Hunter season on Discovery Plus will be coming out on October 31st. That's that Sunday. I do believe they said uh, they, they had to get back to us on it, but they were thinking it was 4 a.m. Eastern time would be when it debuts on Discovery Plus because obviously you stream yeah. it, but they didn't know exactly. But I would say as long as on Sunday, probably before 10 a.m., you'll definitely have it. But uh, yeah. they said 4 a.m. possibly. They didn't have the exacts, but we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get that all brown down for you guys for next week to get that excitement up for Ghost Hunters. And also, me and Mike C have been, we're probably going to record on the same day. We have been talking about possibly not releasing the show until Friday. Reason being is that I, because of that, have the screener for the very first episode. And we are not allowed, it's an embargo, so you are not allowed to talk about it until the 29th. So if we delay the release of the show until Friday, uh, which we would never do spoilers on it. We could just, we're just going to give you our opinion spoiler free. But if we did that, then I could actually we could actually talk about that show because I haven't seen it yet, and I know Mike C hasn't seen it. But we are going to watch it probably this week, uh, so that way we can talk about it and, and kind of give you guys a spoiler free one. We'll still probably record on Wednesday, but you might not get the show until Friday. If not, that's why. Make sure you just keep your eyes at Horizon Six Hundred Seven, so we'll let you know. Uh, which I mean, I think that would be a good sacrifice for you guys because then you get our our, our takes beforehand on uh, Ghost Hunters, the return of mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters on Discovery Plus. But that's going to be coming to you next week. But during the news this week, I promise you, I'm going to talk about uh, what happened, went down in the Chucky panel. There is some notes that I took of the Chucky panel that we will talk about later. But before we get to that, Mike C, I believe we have some Horror Zone news. Try to be best because you're only a man and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to believe though the going gets rough that you got to hang tough to make it. 
You know, this gimmick, it's not getting old anytime soon. No. It keeps me from putting it on YouTube. It's yeah. not getting old. <laughs> we're going to have to, well, eventually we're going to rectify that. There's a lot of things we're going to do production. But I, I still like this uh, playing cheesy songs from the 80s. So do I. And I, all I can do now is picture Daniel LaRusso kicking everybody in the head. I have for what long, I want, he was the heel of that movie. He definitely was. And, and Cobra Kai has confirmed that. But <laughs> yes. I, I, just, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, I've always said to Diesel, what we need is is to get a deal with like Sirius XM so we can like podcast on air, if you will, because if you have that deal, then you have Blake to play whatever music you want. Really? And man, who Sirius XM just foots the bill for whatever music? Well, no, because they already have the rights to play music because it's it's considered promotional there. True. So they already have the rights. So you have to have the rights to play the shit. We could play that song every day if we, we could play to. whatever song we want. So literally <laughs> we could just do what we're doing now. Get paid for it. Lots of goblin. Get paid for it. And then we could play like goblin. different songs. Every commercial break, we come back with like a different, yeah, goblin, uh, you know, man behind the mask by Alice Cooper, Jimmy crack corn. And I don't Which, care. You know, Freddie's dead. That classic oh, yeah. song. Oh yeah. There's so many, there's so many endless possibilities we could do. But anyways, <laughs> with that being said, I know we have a shorter news segment. That's why we can banter a little more, but uh, yeah. let's jump right into the news. All right. Well, usually we round out the news with box office news. Not this week. No, we're going to be talking about Halloween Kills right from the get-go because it opened to $50.3 million at the box office in its opening weekend, even though it was also available on Peacock. Well, it means to me one one of two things I've been saying for a while, not just for this movie. The people who want to see things in the movies are going to still go to the theater. There's nothing that beats that experience. I'm one of those people because I feel safe enough to go to the movie theater. I'm one of those people that I still prefer to go watch a movie on the big screen because I just love that feeling. I love being in a theater, seeing it on the big screen, the noises, everything. It's, it's so much better for, in my opinion. So I definitely was one of those people who went to see the movie. But, I mean, even at home, like we said before, Peacock, I, I know we talked about it last week, I'm guaranteeing Peacock at least paid 80 to $100 million. For that million, and if not more. And the reason why I say that is because the last movie did $80 million in its opening week, if I'm not correct. Uh, it was Halloween like 77 three. It was close. It was close. Well, I'm rounding up, so yeah. I'm not going to give the exact number. But it was close. It was right around $80 million. So there, there would be no problem with them asking for that price because opening weekend. You know what right. I mean? And considering this made, what, four point seven on that Thursday night, they were projecting this was only going to make like $25, 30000000 million. Yeah, 25 to 30 and it did 50 50 plus? That's a, that's huge. Oh, it was yeah. very huge. So, I mean, what? regardless of how you think of it, of course, if you want to hear our review on the movie, that is on this channel, Horizon 607. Look it up. It just says Halloween Kills Review. That's all that's there. That's the whole thing. We just did a special one, so we didn't have to worry about uh, telling you when to stop and when to cut out. So, check it out uh, and let us know what you think about it as well. But, uh, yeah, great, great opening week. You know, once again... We kind of we were kind of on the fence about what it would do in the box office. I thought the productions of twenty five to thirty million were were going to be pretty spot on, which I thought with the other deal was going to definitely guarantee us some some big time profits for the yeah. for for Blumhouse. Uh, but I I was pleasantly surprised with fifty million. Now I I just want to stop everything right here. We're going to stop this show dead in its tracks because we got some major major critical feedback. For Halloween Kills. We got some big reviews. Oh. I got two of them for you. Okay. Scores. Okay. The Maestro. Our friend The Maestro. 8.5 out of 10. The second best movie in the entire series by far. By a mile. Okay. The Professor. Uh, ugh, uh, didn't like it as much as Halloween 2018. I give it an 8 out of 10. It's so good. 
Well, for both of those gentlemen. Move this man! It's been a while since we've heard that. That's right. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm actually not. If it was just them, that's if you didn't like, if you liked it, that's fine. I know, like I told you, my stepson loved it. He thought it was great. Uh, I'm just looking at it with critical eyes. I'm looking at it through the fact of you know what it was. And once again, if you want to see our reviews, we put it out there. I did say that it was better than a five. It was, a, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give the score, but it, it's better than halfway for me. I know you were not there, but then again, I was a little more critical of it. Uh, th- then again, you're super critical. A little less kind. But I gave it less than 2018 because I didn't. I also didn't think it was good. But I'm also not one of those people who put 2018 on a pedestal because there was a lot of problems with that movie. And like I said, famously, I've given it a six and a half. Right, and you know, here's the thing: you're going to want to listen to that show, that special show, because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Let's listen to Uncle Spooky Mike here for a second. Everybody that listens to this show regularly knows exactly how I feel about Halloween 2018. You're going to be surprised by some of the things I said about Halloween Kills. Absolutely. Also, if you listen to that show, you can get my mine and uh, Ken M. from the Ocho Duro Parlay Hours way to make that final scene better in the movie. Yeah. And trust me, you want to find that out. And I, I hear Ken M. told me he started syncing this. Uh, per- <laughs> thing up. So it may be a thing in oh the not boy. too distant future that you guys will see. Oh, boy. Uh, but with that being said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to totally, totally change gears here. Go in a completely different direction. And we're going to talk about Halloween Kills. Hey, Halloween Kills. It's, you know, especially uh, the greatest director in the history of time. My favorite director and yours, David Gordon Green. He says, and I quote, there will be a time jump between Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. He's insinuating it's going to jump four years. So Halloween Kills takes place the same night as 2018. Yes. So it takes place in 2018. The next one's going to be out in 2022. So it'll take place in 2022. It's going to, yeah, it's going to take place in 2022. It's going to have a four-year time jump in it. So, first of all, I'm going to say this uh, without listening to the review and without spoiling anything. One of the biggest criticisms I had, and you had, and most of the people who had criticisms of this movie were, was the ending. Yes. And I think that this is in response to that, because he saw the critic reviews, he saw all the critiques, he knew that people were really, even the people who, like me, because I'm going to tell you, newsflash, read, here's the review, I'll tell you, I enjoyed the movie, and they, they, I thought they smooched the pooch on the finish. But yeah. here's the thing. There's a lot of people like me. So I'm assuming, because just look at the numbers that it's putting out there. I mean, uh, last I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, it was that 38%. So I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's not scoring as high. So he's seeing that feedback already. So what I think he's doing is that it's that old school damage control. You know you're getting green light lit for the last movie because it was already green lit. You already made money, so we know it's coming. We know that, uh, you know, that that's the, the plan. So the fans are like, where do you go from that ending? And you're like, ah, well, we jump four years in the future, which would bring it to present day, technically, because this one was taking place in 2018, which is fine. And I guess that gives you the kind of the loophole to give people hope. I don't All know that it does. I don't think gone. this guy cares. And here's why. He's, uh, we're not going to go over it here, but if you want to read it, it's on bloodydiscussing.com. Uh, he did an interview where he's talking about how his Hellraiser series and the Hellraiser movie, like talking about the production of those, and uh, he's giving his, his thoughts on that. And he's going to be directing all three Exorcist movies. This guy is going to be in control of three of horror's biggest franchises coming up. This guy's a big shot, and I hate this about him because this is making him bigger than Carpenter. Well, here's the Bigger problem. Bigger than Craven. I don't think he is. And that's a crock. Well, no. I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I just think he's the flavor of the day. And unfortunately... He's a lot of flavor. Well, here's the problem. Once you make as much money as he's made in this realm, because let's be honest, he's made possibly more money than anybody has in the last 20, possibly even 30 years in the horror genre. Like, it's, let's be honest, just on mm-hmm. box office returns. 
He made so, more in one Halloween movie than how, like, what, the last three, four Halloween movies yeah, made? Exactly. I mean, That's I could be point. wrong. I don't know what no, Rob no, Zombie's no, made off the top no, of my head. No, actually, but. you're not wrong. He, it was a, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Those horror movies are like comedies. They usually average around 30 million. Occasionally, when you get a real good one, it'll bop to that 50, 60 million. Like a quiet zone. place. Yes. And, and even in which that, which, which, once again, quiet place could actually make more, like movies like that in The Conjuring sometimes will start to peak, but usually it's the second movie. The second movie in those franchises usually go around 100 million mm. because everybody loved them so much and they did about 50, 60 in the opening week. And then the next week, they did another 50, 60. I'm talking about pre pandemic numbers, obviously. Right. And then the next time around, people want to see the movie. And that's why The Conjuring could float through on that last piece of shit they gave us, which we'll review one day. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I, I just want to throw... Which I shouldn't say that because I did enjoy it for the crime drama it was <laughs> and not a horror movie. But uh, I get in Lorraine Warren. I digress. I digress. Uh, uh, but, you know... I feel like when you're making the amount of money he has, you just get to call your shot. There's other guys in the same genre, and, and this is what bothers me about certain horror directors, if you will, or certain guys who have been lumped into being a horror director. A lot of them look at this as a way to get into other films. And I'm not trying to be a dick, but we'll, and, and, and this is not, I, I promise it's not, but like a guy like Andy Muschietti, mm-hmm. who has parlayed it in It Chapter 2 into directing uh, the Flash movie. Yeah. For DC. Yeah. So big budget comic book movie. Like a James Wan. Michael Keaton. James Wan. Although James Wan still comes back home. So he we'll, does, give him, we'll give him credit for that. I mean, that. he ended up with Aquaman. Right, right, ended right. Ended up with a Fast and Furious. I mean, but this this is the tale of all this time. And it's not shooting on anybody because I'm glad they do correct. Because look at, if you really want to talk about the tale of all this time, Sam Raimi. That's what the song is that we should have played for Maybe the We should have. But think about why well, we didn't know we were going to talk about this. Yeah. But you think about it, Sam Raimi did the same thing. The Evil Dead movies propelled him into doing mainstream films. And that's what he did. And then he did come back to horror eventually, but it, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to boost himself into mainstream films. No problem. And I don't have a problem with it. I have to respect slightly, though, that a gay, guy like David Gordon Green obviously is a fan enough of the genre. And yes, he's making a ton of money in this genre, but you got to respect a little bit that he's not trying to parlay the amount of money he's made into directing a Marvel movie or a DC movie or the next big action, you know, jam-packed summer blockbuster. Is it that, or do they catch on like I did and they realize this guy's a hack? Um, I don't think anybody's caught on to that except for you. <sighs> think about it. People I'm you. Ready for this? I'm the smartest guy there is here. The, you I'm might smarter be. than the professor. Well, that's not hard I'm to be. I'm keen to this. Dude, the professor opens his mouth and proves why but that's not But he's the smartest hard. man in all of horror podcasts. Once again, that's just a joke. But, <laughs> but, but let's focus on let's focus on like the, the, the thing here yeah. is that regardless of how you feel or even how I feel about some of his shoddier work, he is the guy who's making the most money in this genre. And instead of partying off, which I guarantee that he's gotten offered movies, when you can make... 80 to $100 million on a, a fucking horror film. Uh, studios are usually salivating because they're like, if he can do that with horror, imagine what he can do with a budget on a big sci-fi blockbuster because that's what that's how the business people think. So I'm sure he's gotten offers, but instead he's turning them down to take The Exorcist, which is a big deal in horror, and also take fucking Hellraiser, which, once again, it remains to be seen. I have you no... Know, I, I think the biggest problem with the scripts... I'm going to go ahead and say it because I finally agree with you, Mike C. I finally am going to say it. I don't think the biggest problem with the Halloween movies is David Gordon Green. I think it's the fact that you have piss poor writing. Danny McBride. And it's Danny McBride. You know, I don't know if I read. I I can't remember if we read that he's going to be involved in the scripting of The Exorcist or not. I don't think so. I think when we talked about it, we, that was the one name that was missing. And I was like, okay. Because I, 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 I kind of remember you saying, 
Well, that gives us a little hope. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think you're... I, so, I don't know. It's my age. You know, I can't remember things that we talked about and on the show again, from, if like, you guys two months love, ago. If you guys love this shit, that's good, man. I'm ha- I'm really happy for anybody. Like I said, I'm not crapping on it. It's just my own personal opinions on it. And we can have that talk all day. And once again, listen to the review show and then hit us up, man, because I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. And last piece of news. This is kind of like a no-brainer if you've seen the movie. And I'm not going to spoil it, um, but... David Gordon Green also kind of insinuated that one of the quote-unquote legacy Halloween characters will be back in Halloween Ends. And by legacy, we mean one of the characters that was in the original movie that turned up in Halloween Kills. And you already you already spoiled it because there's only one. There's only one left. <laughs> for, for those that didn't see it, though, I'm not okay, going to say okay. anything. We won't say it, but there, there you go. So. Well, there's, you'll, after you see it, you'll know. <laughs> yeah. And I still maintain that Stu Mocker is still alive, so they could all still be here. By the way, I want to throw this out there. Epic Film Guys, I see you. Uh, there are friends of ours on podcast uh, went out of the way today to say that if Stu Mocker is they, they're, they're so sad that they don't think Stu Mocker is a killer. If he is, he will eat a scream mask <laughs> on live stream. I, I responded from at three fat nerds pod on Twitter and I said, listen, I'm with you. I don't think it's him either. However, I'm rooting for it now because I want to see you eat a mask. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he enjoyed it. It was a fun badge. So, epic film guys, check them out if you love movie reviews because they're very good at it. And on top of that, uh, keep your eyes open because if Stu Mocker is the killer, they will I have it on good. There is going to be a screen mask eaten. Get him some ketchup, some hot sauce. They'll down I, it. I, he didn't say he was eating it with anything, so I'm interested to Oof. see the choices because I don't wow. know if I was. It's going to be interesting because it can't taste too good. Maybe top it off with an ice cold Budweiser. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Last piece of news that we got this week. Uh, Rob Zombie shared. He's been sharing a lot of information, a lot of pictures from the set of his new Monsters movie, which I can't wait to see what that's rated. I hope it's NC-17. But uh, he shared his first look at Herman, Lily, and Grandpa Munster. Listen, man, <laughs> I mean, we knew it was coming because we knew casting, but you see Sherry Moon zombie dead center. And you're like, does this motherfucker know how to make a movie without his wife? No. And yes, I know I swore a lot this episode, but come on. Come on, man. Like I, I saw the perfect meme for this. It was somebody who did the thing of Jaws and they put uh, Rob Zombie's Jaws and it was Sherry Moon Zombie in place of the shark <laughs> swimming up because that would be that would be what would happen. Oh, God, don't give him ideas. But. I will say this to the credit of this picture. It does not look like it's white trashed yet. No. So I'm I'm happy and excited for that part. But Herman, I'm not I'm not one of these people. There's a lot of people when that image got put out there, they were like, oh my God. You know, and it was the same, by the way, it was like kind of funny because the same people who were bitching about Halloween kills. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh my God, the monsters look so amazing from this. Picture. I'm like, it's a fucking picture. Yeah. And literally the only thing we can be excited about is that they're not white trash yet. But it's a black and white photo, so we don't really truly know. Yeah. And outside of that, you know, that's the only thing that's giving me hope right now because I have a feeling. Here's the thing. If this movie is rated anything above PG-13, yeah, it's not going to be good. I'm I'm just going to throw that out there. If it's anything above PG-13, I would say PG, but I'm sure that he'll throw some swearing in. Uh, Ah, Lily. uh, Why don't you come over here? But if it's anything above PG-13, mark my words, it'll be trash. Yeah. And the reason why is because then it'll be a normal Rob Zombie film. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely will. It's got all, this, I know. all the usual suspects are in it. Richard Brake is in it. It's I know so. if the professor was here, he'd be browbeating me because he, he loves him some Rob Zombie. Yeah. So doesn't the maestro. So but, doesn't the maestro. But guess what, man? Other than Lords of Salem, and I'll give House of a Thousand Corpses credit, not really good. I mean, I did like Devil's Rejects, but I don't consider that a uh, a horror movie. That's a Western. Yeah. It's good shit. Yeah. But once again, there, there's three. Three out of like the eight movies he's made. And I'm just giving a pass to, to, to actual House of a Thousand Corpses because I enjoyed it. Yeah. But like outside of that, it's not very relatively great. 
It's not as good as Devil's Rejects. And let's not talk about how it ended. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Remember. I didn't hate that as much as everybody else did. This is from the same director who brought us 31. Now that, in my opinion, was the worst movie he did. Oh, I I agree with you. That is my least favorite. A lot of people liked it. I thought that movie was awful. Once again, if you you have different opinions, that's fine. I'm I'm good with it. But uh, that's why I'm very leery and I'm not getting overly excited. But let's end on some good news, happy news. So I'm sure by now everybody has seen, if you were into it, have seen the first episode of Chucky and possibly even the second episode because this is coming to you on Thursday. As you know, we record on Wednesday, so this is coming to you Thursday. So I feel like it's a good time to talk about some of the things we saw at the Chucky panel uh, at New York Comic Con, or I saw it at the Chucky panel. I did play Mike a little clip that I don't know if I could ever show anybody because uh, I was recording something I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be recording, but it was a nice little uh, introduction from Brad Dorif uh, as a uh, as the voice of Chucky. You don't see him at all, but you, you he know made they, it crystal clear. Don't he, be recording this. Or he, else. he did at the end, but yeah. it was at the end. That's why. But I respected. I shut it off as soon as he said it. Yeah. But I did record the first part, which was kind of awesome. Which was him basically. Uh, it, they they had him obviously because he addressed us as New York Comic Con and called us a bunch of nerds. Yeah. And then he uh, turned around and, and for some reason they censored him. During that, but they did not censor the episode they showed us. And obviously, if you've seen the first episode, there's a lot of swearing. They didn't censor any of that, but they censored him talking, which was weird. So, uh, spoiler alert, they swear more in the second episode. Oh, I'm sure they do. I mean, that's a Chucky calling card, though, if you really think about it. That's yeah. why I'm not upset about it too much. So, uh, next up, you have so we got to see the first episode of obviously a lot of you have already seen that because I just got to see it that Friday. And then it came out on Tuesday. So I got to see it a little early. And of course, this past Tuesday was the second episode, which I have still not seen yet, but Mike C has. So I'm very extreme. But I want really to talk about it. some of the stuff they talked about on the panel. I took some notes. That way you guys would know. So uh, the panel started off with Jennifer Tilly coming out. Crowd went nuts for her. She looks great. And she announced uh, Don Mancini, who is also in the building. So it was her and Don talking about the uh, Child's Play series and about the TV show mostly, obviously. Uh, Don Mancini says the character of Jake is based on him, on himself, on Don Mancini and his life as a gay man, because as we all know, Don Mancini is a gay man and he, he was, he, he's been out of the closet since he was a teenager. So he had a lot of struggles. So a lot of that bullying and a lot of that is, is from his real life. Obviously he's like, it was funny cause he took a step back. He was like, obviously there's, there was no murders or anything like that. Like, but, but honestly the bullying and stuff was definitely from me being closeted and then being thrusted out of the closet, if you will, as a, as a young man. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Devin Sawa. And now I can definitely talk about this one because uh, he was talking about when he met Devin Sawa for the first time, he, he had seen some of the movies he had been in in the past, but he never had met Devin Sawa until he was casting for the movie. He was like, you know what? I think that guy would be great. He met him. And I don't know what the script was looking like originally, but after he met him, he said that he knew he was he was so blown away by him that he made his characters twins in the show. That's why he's the <laughs> dad and the uncle. Yeah. And of course, uh, if you've seen the first episode, eh, you know, whatever. Right. I won't go into it. But yeah, that's why he made the characters twins. Originally, I guess they weren't twins, but he loved Devin Sawa so much that he wanted to double your fun with Devin Sawa. Okay. That's kind of interesting, right? Uh, Jennifer Tilly told everybody in attendance that she has never seen a child's play movie that she wasn't in. 
Which Don Mancini told her that he is going to tie her up some night and make her watch all of them. So one, two, and three she hasn't seen. Yes, she has not seen any of, the, any of those. And uh, she also they also talked about their relationship, which is kind of cool. They're really good friends. And uh, she blows it off by saying, well, you know, I need him to keep putting me in movies because I look so hot in the in his movie. So I keep uh, whining and dining and buying him nice gifts so I can come back. <laughs> and it was, it's really nice. They actually are really great friends. And they, they were talking about being a family and all of them do treat everything like a family. Which was really cool. Uh, Don is telling us, remember the end of Cult of Chucky and how kind of open-ended it was? That was intentional. He left it loose on purpose because he intended, even before making that movie, on making this TV show. This television show was something he intended on doing the whole time. He had seen The Walking Dead and went, maybe I should turn Chucky into a TV show. I think that there's more there and I can dive deeper into the characters. Thought that was cool. Uh, Jennifer Tilly told us that the OGs the OGs from the show, they don't really start playing a major part in the series until episode five. I was wondering when they were going to turn up. So you'll get glimpses of them. You'll get little phone calls of them. I mean, in the first episode, you could hear Alex Vincent definitely on the yeah. phone. Uh, but they don't start really showing up and impacting the story until episode five. And I think there's only eight episodes. I think it's, but you know what, the, the first season, I'm sure they're confident they're getting picked up by the way for a second season as another thing came out. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure the reason why is I think that they really wanted to flesh out the new characters and, and, and really make Which is care. smart if you're going to do this, and it's going to be multiple seasons. Jennifer Tilly also promises us that no matter what we think we know now, and, and, and this is a quote, unquote, this show becomes so fucked up and insane. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg yet. I guess this movie gets really crazy. Uh, they also showed us a little clip of like uh, what's to come. I don't know if they've been that's been making the rounds online, but it seems like uh, Don Mancini said after that clip that because uh, it was just an advertisement. I think that Sci-Fi has been playing it. He said after that clip that obviously he wanted to go in a different direction with Alex Vincent and the character uh, Zachary Arthur who plays Jake. He was like when we had Alex Vincent as Andy, he was the purest. So you don't want to interpret that differently. He was like, with Jake, I want to see what happens when Chucky can tempt somebody. Because if you've seen any of the little footage and where they're going, it looks like Chucky is almost tempting uh, Jake to be a killer himself. Okay. So he's like, what happens if the if they're a little more receptive? That's why he also picked the age group of eighth graders, 13-year-olds, because it's a little bit molding. And it looks like Chucky knows he's never getting out of that body. We know this at this point. So therefore, he's kind of into doing other things, if you will. Right. And last but certainly not least, and this was the really cool part, uh, they opened it up to questions. And the first question came from the front of the stage where there was no microphone, which we thought was weird. But then there was a microphone and it was the question was asked. It was, why am I the best character in this TV series? And it was Zachary Arthur who plays Jake. But then he gets interrupted when he asked the question the second time. Because Don Mancini couldn't hear him and they put the shine. He's like, oh, and they, whatever. But he gets interrupted by another voice saying, no, why am I the best actor in this series? And it was Alex Vincent himself. So Andy was there as well. They joined them on stage. And the, the fan questions were, were kind of your basic fan questions. Kind of like, how was it to, you know, it, just kind of random stuff. Did nothing really important come out. So that was pretty cool. Alex Vincent and uh, Zachary Arthur both made an appearance. And uh, it was a very good experience overall. Uh, I enjoyed the first episode. I'm really apt to see where the series goes because I kind of like putting things together. And that's why it's nice to not, not wait to talk about it so that everybody can kind of see it. I kind of think that they're going to go in a real, I, I believe Jennifer Tilly is going to get real fucked up and insane. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. 
And I'm really enjoying it. There's a good sense of, there's lots of good humor. I like the fact that they're be able to build characters and we get to see these characters, you know, in a in light so you can actually get comfortable and fall in love or hate them in some cases. And it's weird. And I think that Don Mancini did a great job of kind of what we see so far, making Chucky almost the good guy. No pun intended to the doll because he's, He's not doing, like from the first episode, if you guys, I'm not trying to spoil much, but what he's doing isn't the generalized Chucky way. Like it's not him taking care of and being greedy. He's trying to help this young man out, which is kind of strange. And I'm, and once again, I think it leads to an ulterior motive. Yeah, it does because you haven't seen episode two yet. Right, but I don't want spo- <laughs> to spoil anything for the, the, the people at home either. Right. So, so I'm just saying that... Um, yeah, I think that that's I think that that's kind of an interesting take on on Chucky. And I did check; it is eight episodes in the first season. So basically, those again, we'll use the word legacy characters. They'll be back in the second half of the first season. So I just used OGs because that's what Jennifer Tilly said. <laughs> right, right. Um, one other thing too, just to kind of add with this. I mean, do you think it's safe to talk about the ending of Cult of Chucky at this point? I mean, it's been around yeah, long sure. enough. Spoiler so, alert. I spoiler alert, alert if you haven't seen Cult of Chucky. Some of the commercials for the upcoming season, they've basically shown Andy and Kyle um, in search of the different Chuckies. They make a comment in like a quick blip that uh, it's not so much we're afraid of what he can do. It's what he can do what he's capable of doing if, if he gets a hold of you, like insinuating that he can continue spreading himself out because he's basically in cult of Chucky. You find out he doesn't just transfer his soul altogether out of the Chucky doll and into another person. He can keep himself in the body and put himself in another body at the same time. Yeah. And then another one and then another one. So basically what it comes down to is it looks like what, what Andy and Kyle are doing is they're going around hunting them down and trying to, which I'm here for. I, yeah. I think it's a great idea. I think it, I, I really like the fleshing out, but I also think that there's a, this other deeper story that we're being told with this Jake character, which oh, I yeah. think is which I think is uh, is really interesting and intriguing because you're now taking the fact that let's be honest, in horror we all root for the the, the bad guy because mm-hmm. we all were because that's what you go to the movie for, right? So this they're they're actually giving you a real reason to root for the bad guy in this case because he's actually kind of the defender in a weird way. Uh, there's that great dialogue, uh, like I said, without spoiling. There's a great dialogue. The first time you hear a long dialogue from Chucky in this series is at the talent show. Yeah, and that is great. That, oh, that was, was great. One of those, those one of those moments. A, it's funny. It's poignant. It gets to it. It cuts at everybody is supposed to in the room, and it's just verbal. It is just perfect. So I, I, I she's Botox curious. Yeah, Botox curious. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a secret to, that you're keeping. Like it's, it's there's a lot of like just really like jabs because that's what he does, right? But at the end of the day, he's and, still Chucky. You know, uh, one thing too is of, of all the movies, I'm not a huge fan of Bride and Seed, but they're entertaining for what they are. I loved Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky. I hated. I hated that movie. I hated the way it looked. I hated the way it was edited. I was not a fan of that. Um, I like that movie less than Halloween 2018. I think if it's if it's uh, wow. if I'm being honest, because I think it's a terrible, terrible movie all around from top to bottom. This series, you know, if you're a fan of the the Child's Play and Chucky, you know, series, um, so far it's only two episodes in. And what I was basically explaining to Rich, and it makes sense because it's a series. There's a lot more just like dialogue and talking because it's kind of like 
establishing the characters and the relationships with one another, but um, it's really good. I'm really enjoying. I it enjoyed too. what I saw. I, like I said, I, I thought the first episode was a real slow burn in the beginning, but it had to be because they were introducing you to characters right. and they took the time to make you care about the characters. Right. And then towards the end, you're like, ah, this is what I know. As like, long they as it doesn't good... go off the rails even more than, than Cult of Chucky did, I'm going to continue really, really right, liking right. this. But like I said, I like at the end they brought it back to like this is the Chucky, this is the child's yeah. play. We know, but at the same time, they did a great job of teaching you who these characters are, what makes them tick, their background. Like you instantly, you're heart goes out to the young man jake you know you're, you're you start to like really form opinions on some people and like where they're at and then you're like oh shit you know and then but then at the end it reminds you oh yeah by the way this is still a child's play right production i hope that the, the one thing i hope it does get an answer to is how when chucky transfers part of his soul into nika that all of a sudden she's not paralyzed and can get up and walk out of that wheelchair i want answers i want to know how that's Maybe possible they might they might do it they said keep your stay tuned is what uh, man sees it Anyways, with that being said, though, uh, we would like to hear your thoughts on Chucky, on everything else, or if there's something you would like us to talk about, something you'd like us to, to review, or just, just plain say hi to Spooky Mike. He gets lonely sometimes, Very folks. Very lonely. You can find us on Facebook, HorrorZone607, on Twitter and Instagram, at HorrorZone607. Remember to use that hashtag HZ607 whenever talking about the show. Also, I would like to point out, if you would like information about everything we do here at 8122 Productions, that's simple. You go to our website, 8122productions.com. There's the T Public uh, link is right up on there. So isn't the Twitch for twitch.tv slash 607podcast. And of course, if you would like to support the show monetarily, the link for patreon.com slash 8122productions is there as well. You know, it's some great stuff. You get a lot of bonus content. All of that and more is right there at 8122productions.com. And don't worry, if you can't remember everything I just said really quickly, you know what you can do? You can look at the liner notes for this show, and all the links are hyperlinked there for you to take you where you need to be. But with that being said, Mike C., I believe it's time for this week's Horror Zone movie trivia question that's right and i told you these were going to be a little challenging i think this one's going to be an easy one for you easy i think this one's going to be an easy one for you again we're celebrating the 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 og laurie strode timeline of the halloween movies this year throughout the month of october so i'm asking trivia questions pertaining to the halloween series so here's the question how many directors have directed more than one halloween film name them one more time, how many different directors have directed more than one Halloween film and name them? The answer, coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Courtney Gaines, Malachi from Children of the Core, and you're listening to the Horror Zone 607.
back to the zone. That unmistakable music is the Halloween theme from Halloween 2. Different. Very different. It's like 8-bit music almost. It's like video game music of that era almost. Actually, before that era. All right. But it's time for the answer to this week's Horizon 607 trivia question. The question was, how many directors have directed more than one Halloween film and name them? Yeah, I told you I'm not I, I I'm not very good on the directors of the Halloween franchise. So I might not get this right. I'm gonna be quite honest with you. Uh so I'm gonna say one of them is Rick Rosenthal. Correct. I know he did I know he did multiple. I know it's a trap, because I'm trying to remember if Carpenter actually directed more than one. So I will say John Carpenter, because I think he directed two. Movies. Incorrect. No, he didn't direct two movies. I, nope. I thought he would have directed three. No, Tommy Lee Wallace directed oh, three. That's right. Tommy Lee Wallace did direct three. Did Tommy Lee Wallace direct uh, more than one? No. So I was just asking. See, I don't know. The answer is no. The answer is no. So I only had one off the top of my head. So Really? Yeah. And he's the one that I didn't think you were going to get. No, I Do you remember I what movies he directed? Two and I want to say H2O. No. It wasn't H2O. Nope. Which one was it? Resurrection. It was Resurrection. Yep. Fuck. I thought he, for some reason, I thought he did H2O. Hospitals? Michael on fire. That's true. That's how that you is, know. That's that a calling card. Rick Rosenthal. That is true. I knew, but I knew it was either H2O or Resurrection. I discussed H2O because I he, wanted to give him some credit for this. Wait till he directs the remake of The Notebook. Oh, Jesus. There will be a hospital so, and Michael Myers will be on fire. That's true. I guess, so, uh, I guess that makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the other two, Rob Zombie. Oh, I wasn't even counting Rob Zombie. That's Rob cheap. Zombie. I should have. I should have discussed that one. And David Gordon Green, the greatest director of this or any other generation. Oh, so it was a trick question because it was the two that have done the most recent. Yeah. Not trick. The question was what it was. That's How many true. directed more than one? Well, it's a trick to me because David I wasn't, Gordon Green's about to become the first one to direct three. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about uh, new age ones. Yeah. I like to forget the Rob Zombie movies happened. I like to forget the new ones ever happened. There you go. So yeah. Yeah. So I got the hard one though. You did. I, I, did. I did not think he was the one that I wasn't sure that you were going to get. No, I knew I knew Rick Rosenthal, and he's did. the one that we have a little nickname for the the maestro. And I call him Hack Rosenthal. You know the the weird part about that is, like I said before, though, is that uh, I should have just guessed with the two guys that I actually knew because after you said that, I'm like, yeah, why didn't I just say them? Yep. But you know, on all honesty, as much as I like the original Halloween, I actually hate this series. I'm starting to get that way. And I because, used to think this was my favorite series. Friday the 13th has surpassed it for me. Oh, I, I, I'm just going to throw this out to the listeners before we go any further. This series, fucking rough. And I used to lo- I used to, st- I used to think I loved this series as well. Yeah. Because I do have movies I like in this it's series. It's become a choose-your-own-adventure. But it's become so convoluted that it's strange. And I understand somebody's like, but you said if, you, if Mike says he likes Friday the 13th better, and I also like Friday the 13th better, that's convoluted too. Yeah, but the difference is... The first at least eight upfront, movies were listen, very simple and straightforward. They were at, all the same. Well, here's a diff- even bigger difference. Here's the difference. At some point in Juncture, we just knew that Jason was supernatural, so it made sense. Once you make somebody supernatural, everything fucking makes sense because the logic goes out the window. <clears throat> There Excuse might have me. been teleportation. I'm just throwing that out there in a, in a Halloween movie. I'm not going to say which one. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, and I and I don't think it, I don't even think that criticism starts because let's talk about the it's Halloween Fest 
week two. Week two, we are coming to you with Halloween two, uh, the Electric Boogaloo, and not and not Rob Zombie's the original Halloween two. So the better this, one. This movie was debuted the day before Halloween, October thirtieth, nineteen eighty one. By the way, smart, smart, smart. Ninety two minutes long. It was distributed by Universal Pictures and it was produced by Dino De Laurentiis Corporation, which is not surprising at all. Uh, it is it is produced by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. It was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and of course we mentioned earlier is directed by Rick Rosenthal. Hack Rosenthal. Not to be confused with <laughs> Hack Gordon Green. The cinematographer, same as the original movie, Dan Cundy. Yes. Or Dean Cundy. Why I say Dan? Dean Cundy. Sorry. Edited by Mark Goblet and Skip Schunick. And the music was also done by John Carpenter with Alan Horworth. Uh, stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasant, Dick Warlock, and so many more. I'm not going to go through the whole like, cast in this movie. And oh, by the way, we had this little debate when we did last week's show. It might have been the Halloween Kills special that we did. Mm-hmm. Loomis, mm. all was, practical uh, makeup. I, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that after the fact because the guy is going to be at uh, Monster Mania. Is he really? He played uh, Dr. Loomis in the new movie. Yes. So there you go. It wasn't CGI. I just thought it was too good to be true. It, yeah. looked, it looked amazing. Looked amazing. It, sounded, it sounded good, too. Uh, so uh, $2.5 million was the budget. You want to guess the box office? 1981 America. Just throwing out there. $40 million. Nope, 25.5. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Overshot that one. Yes, sir. Of course, Halloween Part 2 is released three years after the original film that was never going to get a sequel. <laughs> uh, as we talked about last week, uh, the idea from Deborah Hill and John Carpenter was to make this an anthology movie. And then a little movie happened in 1980 called Friday the 13th. And right after, as when that movie was being released, they had already leaked that they were going to do a part two of Friday the 13th. And to not be, uh, to not miss out on it, all the parties involved, not named John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, decided that, man, we want in on this cash grab too. So they uh, pretty much begged John Carpenter and Deborah Hill to write a screenplay featuring Michael Myers, which they didn't want to do. And they agreed begrudgingly under one condition that this would be it. No more Michael Myers in the next film they could do their <laughs> anthology movie. Right. And that's the only way they agreed to do Halloween 2. Now, there is a fun fact, and I don't know, this is going to be something that's up there in movie lore legend before we dive into the movie, because I like doing these little trivia things, and I know that you, I actually, I know you know this, it would be interesting to find, there's always been a uh, error that there was some espionage going on, <laughs> because Friday the 13th Part 2 was originally supposed to have Adrian King in it, and was supposed to take place in a hospital. Yeah. Obviously, they scrapped that plan. Halloween 2, though, does that exact plan right so there's been a rumor from the sean cunningham camp for quite some time that somebody leaked that information to carpenter or somebody involved with the production and that's why they did it and that's also the reason allegedly that sean cunningham is given as of late why they changed the script for friday the 13th part two by the way a little more trivia you thought that um, Rosenthal was the director of H2O? Yeah. Steve Miner directed H2O. Oh, who was uh, the director, director of Friday the 13th, 13th, 2 and 3. Yeah. He's a great director, by the way. I like Hence him Hence why H2O is great. Yeah. We'll talk about that later on. That's next week, though. Let's, yeah. That's next week. Although, the CGI mask will fuck you up for life. <laughs> it's only <laughs> we'll one shot, that, by the like, way. It's only one shot, but it will yeah, fuck you up Yeah, exactly. I've got next my week. opinions on that, so Ready we'll talk that? about next that. Next week, double shot, by the way. H2O and Resurrection. And the greatest review that we're ever going to do. Yes. So, uh, we'll talk about that again at the end. But... Let's jump back into Halloween 2, uh, a little bit of trivia. Of course, my favorite bit of trivia from Halloween 2 that I got to tell the kid last night is that the young woman 
who plays Annie in the first movie, is the only cast member, or no, one of two cast members to appear in all three of the first three movies. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because remember, she's the voice on the other end of the phone with the girl that's uh, the, the first victim of Halloween 2. Well, she's also in the movie as yes. a corpse. Yeah, she is in the movie as a corpse. But yeah, she but is the... the but she has dialogue, and she also has dialogue in three yep. because she's the ex-wife and, of the sexiest man alive. And, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis is the voice uh, in the town, the curfew voice. Yep, the curfew voice and the phone voice. And the phone voice. And then, and then if you want to say see her, you see her in the TV because they're playing Halloween. True. True. Uh, although I do want to... I, I think it's a funny thing about uh, her in the movie because she's married to the sexiest man alive in three, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because... Oh, he's... We get Wait, to see Manus. What's his name? Man? Oh Atkins. yeah, the ex-wife. Yeah, yeah she's the ex-wife. Yeah, Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. We who get likes to, to show his, his hiney. I was gonna say we get to see his sexy ass again. Oh yeah, yeah, baby. I got pictures of that on my phone. If you want to see it, hit me up. So those are some fun trivia questions. There's many more, but there's some fun little trivia things about Halloween too. Now let's dive into the movie. Like I said, we're not gonna go beat for beat because that's not usually how we do our, our things here. We will talk about scenes. We will talk about it progressively through the movie. But we're gonna kind of give you what we thought was good in the movie, what we thought was bad in the movie. We'll give you what the internet has said ratings wise for this movie, and then we'll give you our ratings for this movie as well. Uh, your normal horror. If you've been listening to us for a while, this is your normal horror zone review. So. Let's start right off. Obviously, this movie takes place on the same night. Yes. And the first annoying thing in this movie is the dialogue from Dr. Loomis. No more than one million times does he say, I shot him six times. I shot him six times. Point blank. I shot him six times. What did you miss? I didn't miss. I didn't miss. He's not a man. But he's so cool and collected at the end of the original movie. I know, but still. So anyway, so uh, we pick up where the original left off. We get actually the closing scenes of the original movie with a new scene added in because they do give you the new take on what happens after Michael yes. takes the tumble off of the balcony. It's a little spill. He it's a, a spill. little spill after getting shot six times. And if you forget how many times he got shot, Doc Loomis will let you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally a million times in this movie, he says, I shot him six times. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he definitely shoots him six times at the end of the first movie. I think he actually shoots him seven. You hear the gun go off he, he, ready, ready? No, you're going to love it. He shoots him seven because in the hallway, he shoots and misses. Ah. And then in the room, he shoots him six times. There so there's actually seven shots on a six-shot gun. Don't ask how. Oh, we explained it. Movies. There it is. There's the answer. Movies. So anyways, we pick her up, and uh, they pick up with the... Uh, I, I like how after the, the little opening credits, they pick up where you know you would with a Halloween movie with the long shot, because that's the shot where he goes into the older people's house. He doesn't kill them. He just takes the knife. <laughs> the L-Rods. Leaves, leaves, leaves some blood, takes the knife, but then he travels to the next house where, like I said, we hear the voice, and his first victim is the young teenage girl who is in that house. He has a thing for young teenage girls, does he not? He's like Ted Bundy. Hi-oh! <laughs> they all look similar. They had a look. Yeah, he had a type. He had a Definitely type. Had a type. Of course, in this movie, which has been retconned out now, we get the uh, death of Michael Myers, <laughs> but it wasn't Michael Myers. Later on, we find out it's Ben Tramer. Oh, poor Ben Tramer. You know, I have a question about this. Okay, go ahead. My friend Dennis and I talk about this all the time. We find out, you know, we know Den Ben Tramer is 17 or 18 years old. He's in the same class. He is the heartthrob and the love interest of one Laurie Strode. Exactly. My question is, 
What is he doing? Trick or treating at like ten o'clock at night by himself? Ready for this? He has a bag too, but he was previously at a party because remember how we find out this might be Ben Tramer is later in the movie. His two friends run up on the cops after uh, after the sheriff finds out his daughter was murdered. And he runs up on Doctor Loomis and the other deputy and goes, "Hey, we're really worried about Ben Tramer. He left the party <laughs> at ten o'clock, and we have he hasn't gotten home yet." And uh. the, the officer's like, "Well, it's only a little after 11. And he was like, "But we're really worried." See, this is the first sad scene in the movie because he's clutching his bag of candy his little his sack of candy and he never got to eat any of it i feel bad for the poor little guy poor 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 cop that just ran him over yeah the best the best part the best part though is when those two show up to to later in the movie because we're talking like 30 minutes later than you know the initial hit is the look at once again we've talked about this in the original movie and i'm going to say it again dr loomis played by donald pleasance has the same performance which is always great because if you look at his face he doesn't have like a remorseful face he has a oh shit we killed ben traber face yeah (laughs) he's like (sighs) it's like in the The first one where he gets enjoyment off saying lonnie get your ass out of here he takes he takes I'll that same, call the coroner the cop says he takes he takes the same he takes the same choice as they, they talk about it and like when he talks about it you know that face and you're like uh like yeah. b- about that he makes a similar face to that and then the kids after the kids go away he looks at the cop and the deputy goes I'll call the coroner because yeah. they know they fucking they play well, it off of these throw something on the ground they, they play it off oh I think it was a cigarette yeah I think because so too. by the way I noticed for the first time the first time Last night, rewatching it because I did it for the show. That is how he gets the lighter for the last scene of the movie. Because, and it's, and they I never it, caught that. Ready for this? They make it fucking blatantly obvious. And what's really ir- it irritated me at first. And I go, oh, that's why they made it obvious. Because he hands it to the deputy. The deputy lights a cigarette. And then the deputy, like, Loomis is given a dialogue. And the deputy's, like, lighting the fucking lighter while he's doing it. It was annoying me. And then once Loomis took the lighter, I go, oh, shit. They, they did that on purpose to show you where he got the lighter from. I never caught that. And what he threw on the ground was a cigarette because I, I'm assuming the doctor was going to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. And he threw it down because he got wow. so irritated. I usually so, pay attention to those little details. I wish I would have known I that never you never knew that. that because I would have used that as a trivia question against you. Yeah. I never would have caught that. And by the way, it was last night. See, now you're glad that I watched the movie. Now I'm going to catch that every single time Dude, I watch it's, it. Dude, it's weird too because it's right in your face. That, yeah. For whatever reason, last night I picked up on it. And I'm like, I don't know why. I love annoying. little details like that. But anyways, uh, so, of course, you know, Michael finds his way to the hospital. Uh, and uh, we get some great deaths, including the hot tub death. Yeah. So I got I to admit, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, it's a little cheesy in today's terms because, you know, the makeup effect wasn't the greatest. But it's still, it, like, visualization-wise, it's good. Death. Also, can oh, I yeah. say that, that uh, the nurse had a nice wreck? She uh, was not unattractive. No. I also want to point out the fact that it, here's here's... Some of this movie time jumps, in my opinion, because <laughs> first of all, before they go to the house where, where Annie is, is discovered, well, the three teens are discovered, but Annie's discovered because we get to see the, 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 the cloth pulled back. Her father loses his shit, which is expected, right? So who is pushing that gurney? The young paramedic, Jimmy, that we meet oh, yeah, at the yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What scene happens right before that? He's at the hospital getting kicked out of Lori's room to go somewhere. So literally, <laughs> back-to-back scenes, he was just at the hospital, and the next thing you know, we see Loomis and the sheriff pulling up, and he is the one wheeling out 
the gurney with the dead body, and you're just like he probably just didn't have to go far. I'm I'm just saying though, isn't it weird? But Michael then, chose a close location of the hospital for convenience. But for no, the, for the, the victims. But no, remember, remember when uh, Loomis gets picked up by uh, Nurse Miriam and the state trooper? I do believe at this point, uh, Marshall. Yeah, is a Marshall. Yeah. So so they pick they pick them up and they go out of town. They're quite a bit out of town. When he's like, it's three miles back that way. Oh, yeah. So the hospital is not in near city center. So once again, Michael sees the nurse and her friend. Because remember, they leave the party and she wasn't going to mm-hmm. give her a ride. But then she does. And when he backs up, there's the guy with the boom box. And then Michael's walking by all these people. And I was like, man, if it's one of the more modern movies, all these people would be fucking dead. Another piece of trivia. Do you know who that kid is? You know who his father is? No. Michael Myers, Dick Warlock. Really? Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But when you go through the when you're going through the town, I'm like, man, if it was one of the newer films, all these people would be dead. All yeah. of them. But anyways, oh yeah. yeah. If you remember, they the long shot of him walking down the street. By the way, nobody freaked out. By this point, in juncture, the news has traveled around that there's dead people. Oh, I also want to just state one other thing. It's complete BS. The new movies retcon everything after the first movie. Second movie never happened. Right. BS. Okay. BS. You know why? Because Annie Brackett, they show her getting wheeled out from Halloween 2 in that movie when he's talking about his daughter dying. Yeah, yeah. Halloween 2 happened. Michael and Lori are still siblings in the new series. I'm calling it now. By the way, I also want to throw this one out here. It's all just a dream. No, actually, I do want to point out, I want to give a credit to the new Halloween movie. This is not a spoiler. In the flashback scene, they got that alley pretty damn close to the alley you see in Halloween yes. 2. Yes. So I got to give them, I want to give them props. I got to give them that yeah. one thumbs up there, honestly. So there's, there's a really good there. video, Horrors Hollowed Grounds, uh-huh. Sean Clark. He uh, just released his episode of the filming locations of Halloween Kills. It's really cool. Uh, I'll check that check out. It out. Check it out. I think you'll out. like it. But I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I did like that because when I was noticing when he was going through the alley in the opening shots, I'm like, oh, man, they got it looked fucking, great. They did a good job. So you could see we're in the new timeline where they pulled over the where uh, ha- ha- Hawking, sorry, pulled over, got out, shot yeah. at him. You could see all that. And you're like, fuck, that's cool. That's, that's cool. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. Let's go back to Halloween 2. Uh, so... Uh, we're, we finally get to the hospital and that's where all the plague playing happens. Let's be honest. And that leads you to, like I said, the cool desk, but then there's some like real weird fucking decisions like this movie. And I know I forgive horror movies for a lot, but man, is the cast in this movie, the dumbest mother beeps ever. Cause like, first of all, you have the security guard who goes to check on a noise in a separate bill or no, to, to fix the, the electric in the separate building. And the girl doesn't know how to use a walkie talkie. But even better than that, even in that scene, horrible acting choices. So Michael is hiding, right? All of the doors, all of the bolt, all the padlocks on the doors are unlocked. Not broken, unlocked. So Michael found the keys and unlocked all the doors. <laughs> like, it's weird shit, man. It's weird. Like, there's some things in this movie. I'm like, why? And the cast, like, these characters are dumb. Like, that that same nurse goes into the doctor's office. Remember when uh, Lori has her? And she just keeps saying, doctor, doc, are, are, you, are you awake? And mind you, he's dead. They they throw out Dr. Mixter's name in Chucky's uh, episode two, by the oh, way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But anyways, so he's but dead. Yeah. He's got he's got a syringe, but he's not moving. How many times do you say the man's name? If he was sleeping, he would have woke up by then. Yeah. But it does lead to the cool shot, the, the old OG shot from the original movie where Michael's mask comes into that's focus. That's one of the coolest the shots in the whole movie. It, it was. Opinion. But it was a dumb way to get there. Yeah. And then, of course, our good boy, Jimmy. 
slips and falls oh, on the blood. Jimmy. And then does he die or not in that car when his head like is honking the horn? Like, is he just passed out or is he dead? I, has I he don't got know. a concussion? I don't know. I don't know how he would have died from that little fall. I just want to point this out. Let's let's send the question to Lex Luger. Lex Luger, do you know if Jimmy was dead or not? I don't know. Lex Luger doesn't know either. Nobody. Nobody None knows. None of us know. Nobody knows. But anyways, with that being said. We know more about Phantasm than we do that. That 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 before going into the closing of the movie, I might be missing over some positives and negatives. We'll talk about the closing in its own in a second. Throughout the movie, positive and negatives I may or may not have missed on my quick go through. You. You're asking me. Yeah, but yeah, I know. I'm asking the other person in this room right now. There is uh there's lots of people <laughs> in here. We have a studio <laughs> audience. Uh we're broadcasting in front of the, the the set of cheers again this week. Exactly. Um I mean you pretty much covered everything with it for the most part. I mean just to to kind of give my take of what I think is good and what I think is bad in this movie. Um I do like that it takes place immediately following the events of the first movie. I do like that they filmed it in Pasadena with a lot of the same filming locations again, including the Myers house, including the Wallace house and the Doyle house. I like that. Uh, I like that the surviving characters are in it. I, I do like that. Even if they have a smaller role, some of them like the kids, you know, they're just in the opening scene. It's just a, it's basically the same thing that happened in the first movie. It, it is the first movie. Um, but I, I do like that. I do like the way the film looks. It looks very much the same as the first movie. Agreed. Even when they get to the hospital, it's still, has a very similar look to the first one in terms of tone yeah, and camera work. Um, so, I mean, I, I do like that. That being said, I mean, the, the first half of the movie, to me, is what takes place in Haddonfield. And because of those reasons I just gave you, that's that's what I really like about the first half of the movie. Second half of the movie, I don't think it's bad, but, you know, it takes place in the hospital because that's what Rick Rosenthal does. Um, I don't like the way that the mask... It's, the, it's one of the surviving masks... From the original Halloween. We yeah, know fits, that. It's it the fits exact, really weird, though. It fits weird. It looks like a different mask, and there's two reasons for it. Dick Warlock apparently has a size 42 head, um, when most people have about a size 6, I think, head. So his head is very wide. He's kind of the Stewie of Michael Myers. Um, and it was so in it the trunk weird. of his car for a while. It, yeah, well, no. It was uh, actually in those three years, Deborah Hill had it. She oh, was a heavy okay. smoker, and she left it in a box, like a shoebox underneath her bed. That's one of the reasons why it looks as bad as it does. Um, they've they've come out and talked about oh, that. Geez. Um, so it was just the care for I it. I bet you it smelled delightful. Pro it must have smelled great, especially because uh, also uh, Nick Castle had been wearing it the whole first movie, along with other people. Right. So there was there were no less than, I believe, five people that wore that mask in the first movie, including Deborah Hill. Um, so the mask looks kind of bad, but it's not so much that because that scene in Dr. Mixter's office that you were just talking about, um, when he kind of appears, the lighting that was used, it looks like Nick Castle's Michael yeah. Myers. So a lot of it is the choice of, of lighting that Hack Rosenthal used. Right. And I'm going to keep referring to him as Hack Rosenthal because he's kind of a hack of a director, and we find that out more. We're going to find that out more next week when we talk about Halloween Resurrection. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff bothers me a little bit. Again, you got really dumb, expendable characters in the hospital. But here's the question that I know a lot of people have been asking for 40 years. What hospital has one patient? Where is everybody? Why are all yeah. the lights out? Why is it so quiet? It's an emergency room. Yeah. Where is everybody? And it's on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, you had the kid that bit into the that razor was, blade. That was earlier, though. You yeah, see was... him and then nothing. Like the yeah. And the doors are locked. 
Yeah, they shut but down he comes shop. out. He leaves with his mommy later. And... Yeah, but yeah, but think about it. They, they lock the door after they leave. Yeah. They lock the doors because remember when the nurse she was late to her shift, they had to let her in. Yeah. Doors were locked. Yeah, they turned off the front lights and the doors were locked in a hospital. This is before and, the power gets cut. And let's face it, this isn't a little hospital. No, it's a gigantic hospital. <laughs> it's a big hospital. Maybe everybody's on the other floors. I don't know. It's you know? crazy, right? But they go on multiple floors. The basement where the babies are. There's. Just the two nurses down there. There's nobody else. No moms. There's a room full of babies. There's no mothers. Yeah. They must have just been dropped off there. It's weird. Weird We'll choices. never know the answer. Not to mention staffing. There's not that many staff. <laughs> well, there was. They, they outnumbered the patients. Well, yes, but think about it. There, one. Was, but there, was no, there was not a lot of staff. Though. No. Like, not for a full-on hospital like that size. <laughs> but I, I, so, I like where you go with that. You know, and, and you know, a lot of people, uh, especially more recently because of the new movies, you know, they've had the issue. And I know John Carpenter, more than anybody else, has never liked that the big reveal that Michael and Lori are actually brother and sister. I've never minded. I was going to say, we're just, let's dive into that. First of all, we don't get this big reveal until three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. Like they go to the school. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Loomis says Samhain wrong, says Sam Hain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, they go to the school. Like, mind you, Michael Myers somehow has time as a pit stop at a school for apparently no... Oh, yeah, the only reason The only reason is he breaks a window to break in, and then he stabs a fucking knife into a picture of a family, but it's the sister of the family. I'm kind of wondering if that was like a later scene that they filmed and threw Maybe. in there. And then he writes, the he writes Samhain, which is spelled Sam Hain, Sam if Hain. you want, but he yeah. writes Samhain on the fucking board. And then Dr. Loomis <laughs> says, calls it Sam Hain and says Samhain, and then explains what it is. But then that's where we get Nurse Miriam. So she comes, they take Doc, he's like, We've well, been called back to Smith's Grove, whatever. Of course, Doc Doc you know, Doctor Loomis is like, Oh man, the, the hell that we've unleashed on their town. Like he's <laughs> like he's like he has this rare moment where he feels bad because at no other time in these movies have I ever thought he feels bad. So he's he's not letting Miriam talk. So finally in the car, Miriam finally gets them to be like, Hey, there was a file you've never seen. There was sealed. There's a file you've never seen. And he's like, What are you talking about? Like basically mind you in today's day and age, it wouldn't play well because he does the whole "you're just a woman, shut up" kind of, yeah, kind of dialogue. Yeah, that's how it. That's how the dialogue comes across. And I thought it was genius for the time. Nowadays, I'm surprised somebody would want his head. But uh, he's like, "What are you talking about? I, I know everything. I've read all the files." And she goes, "No, there was one that was sealed, and the, that one that was sealed is that Michael had a sister, and that girl, Lori." Is it the sister? She got after her parents. His parents, uh, you know, gave her up for adoption. She was raised by the Strodes, and uh, the they the only way that they would take her is if they sealed the the document. So the governor just gave us permission to unseal it. So he's a he goes, oh my god, where did? And then then she goes, where did they take that girl after the the, the, the hospital? Don't you see what he's doing? Don't you see what he's doing? Fifteen years ago, he killed his sister on this night. Now he's back to kill the other one. Turn this car around. And the guy tells him no. And I love it. He's like, he puts the gun out of him. He's like, you don't want to do that. He goes, what do you guys do? A warning shot? And he blows out the passenger <laughs> fucking window. Doc Loomis, Loomis with his gun great. is amazing. I love By the way, he Loomis. checks and reloads that gun all throughout the movie. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. So, of course, that the next scene you see is the car whip around. <laughs> Real comedy bit, by the way, which is great. And then that brings us to the finish. We're going into the close. Let's, let's, let's break down this close because I, I have some problems. So first, I, I got two big problems, and I know you're going. Okay, you so, know where I'm going with that. Okay, but so go ahead. Fir first problem, first problem is the is when they arrive. So when they arrive, we've already seen Sleepy Jimmy. 
<laughs> Honk on the horn. So she can't get the car started. So she goes to get out of the car. She collapses to the ground. And that's when Doc Loomis, the marshal, and Nurse Miriam show up to the hospital. So she's on the ground. And she's... And then all of a sudden, as soon as... Ready for this? As soon as they get in the door, she yells, help me. Yeah, she just... Put it together right at like, that point. What the fuck? So yeah. then she gets up and she starts limping and she looks over. She has to have the greatest eyesight of all time because Michael is like, I don't know, a hundred feet away, disguised in a red light, and it's hard to see him in the movie. Like, I, you have to really kind of <laughs> squint, but somehow she sees him clear. I mean, we know he's there because the music starts to dun 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 dun. You know, the the fucking he's coming. The sh- basically the shark, the Michael Myers shark yeah. song. So, anyways. She then gets up. She's pounding on the door. Now, mind you, she now learns how to run because he, she gallops. Yeah. She gallops to the door. <laughs> she pulled it together. And she's banging on the door. And Doc Loomis saves the day just at the nick of time. They shut the door. And then Michael just walks through the door. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he wasn't running. He was. He just walks through the door. <laughs> yeah. Just right through it. No problem. And then. No. There was no give. There was no, nothing. nothing. Just, just right walks through. through right, right through. Right through the door. And then Doc <laughs> Loomis shoots that mofo. <laughs> Yeah, and the marshal's like he's 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 dead. He's not breathing. No, he isn't. No, he's Look, to get away from his body. Get away from his body. Get away from him. He's not breathing. Then he gets his throat cut for his uh his uh, marshal, which is actually pretty awesome by the way. The throat cut. Yeah. By the way, with a scalpel, Nurse yeah. Miriam just fucks off somewhere. Goes back to the car. <laughs> yeah, she runs out and she calls. Yeah. for backup. So so Michael starts chasing down Loomis and Lori as they get themselves into an OR room. And once in the OR room, Loomis goes to shoot and his gun's jammed. <laughs> he gives Lori a gun, but the gun he's using is jammed. He gets stabbed in his gut for his uh, his problems and he goes down. And then Lori's like scared in the corner. Michael's on his way. She calls him. He calls. She calls him by his name. Slows him down. Calling him Michael. Stops. Makes him yeah. stop for a second. As he gets closer, she she the two you. problems. One and two. Well, here's coming the, up. Here's the problem. Before when she hands when 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 first of all when Loomis hands the gun to Lori, she goes, "I don't know how to fire a gun." But yet in the next in the next two seconds, she puts not one but two well placed bullets right in his eyes. One for each eye. One for each eye. So the problem I have with this is. If you get shot in the eyes, usually enough that he's blind because he's yeah. blinded. If you get shot in the eyes, usually the back of your head comes off too. I'm just throwing that out there. Especially as close as it was. And we know it goes into his eyes. So for the people like maybe it just grazed him. No, no, no. It had to have gone into his eyes because he's bleeding from the eyes, which I don't know if it would do that over the mask, but whatever. And <laughs> and secondly, he's blind because that's when he starts doing the just... He's he's got he's got that scalpel and he's just slicing everywhere. So then Doctor Loomis gets his shit back together. He's got he's slicing towards Lori who's sitting on the ground. He's not even like at height to get her anyways. And he turns on ether. And there's an ether. So he hears it. So he turns around towards that. And then Lori turns on some oxygen. I don't know much about pressurized gases, but I do know ether will knock you out. If that room is filling with ether, why are Lori and Doctor Loomis still on their feet? There was Let plenty of air. Michael. Michael walked through that door too. <laughs> so, anyways, so we get to the big climax. Finally, they play this Marco Polo bit for a minute. Lori gets out. Michael looks like he's get, gonna get Doctor Loomis, and Doctor Loomis basically tells him, uh, "Game over, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> As he lights that lighter, I wrote I said earlier, and blows that fucking room to shit. 
Of course, Lori's hiding behind something. The hallway's on fire. Big explosion. And then Michael comes stumbling out all on fire. And then he, of course, he drops to the ground. He looks like the Michelin man. And then, of course, we get the, like the mask melting and they keep going back to right. the loader in the Amazon. And that's the end of the movie. Now, and I'll tell Mr. you Sandman. exactly why he survived. Why his head didn't blow <laughs> off. You want to know why? Why? Because this isn't a man. It's not a man. But like that's my biggest problem with this. Like thinking about my complaints of a recent movie, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? They did this shit in two too. Because I mean, I understand that Deborah Hill and Sean Carpenter were ending this. This is so when I watch this scene, I'm not comparing it to like how does he come back in four? Okay. Yeah. Because the original premise of this movie was there was no four. Which by the way, his eyes were fine the rest of the right, series. Right, right, right. But here's my thing. Hear me out. There was no four in their eyes. They were ending this. So the fact that he's like the fact that he is burnt up and shit, that does not bother me looking in hindsight like it does some people because I understand that they want to hear. My problem is he got shot in two eyes. Why do we need the fire? And I guess Rick Rosenthal is your answer. So I, Oh yeah, I, you gotta have a fire in a hospital. Fire. But uh that that's been my biggest qualm. Shot in two eyes. By the way, by somebody who's never shot a gun before, but has two perfect enough shots that it doesn't even fuck up the mask perfectly in the holes of the mask. And she's hysterical. Eyes. And she's hysterical. I I've always just I've had a problem with that. And then I watched it last night and I still have a problem with it. And my kid was like, Well, if you burned up, how and I'm like, well, listen, I I explained <laughs> to him. I did explain to him. I'm like, listen, when this movie was made, this was supposed to be it. So I get the burn up. You know what I mean? Because there was no comeback. Yeah. Like, that's why they even focus on but, the... Think about it. At the end, and they're loading her, and they go back and focus on the mask when the Mr. Sandman's playing, and you see it just burning up because he's right. dead. But here's the thing, too, man. Don't forget, he got his head chopped off with an axe and walked away from it, too. So well, that was H2O. And yeah. That, when we get to... By the way, when we talk about it next week, I got a fun <laughs> piece of movie trivia that I, you may know, but is a very tasty reason why that happened. Mm-hmm. There is a reason why that scene happens. Okay. And I will talk about it next week because that's what we're talking about next week. So, uh, but yeah, do you have anything else with that close? Because I think we just said it all. <laughs> no, that, that pretty much does say it all. I mean, again, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad in this movie. Oh, yeah. But I, I you know, all around, I, I think it's actually one of the better movies in the series. Which, once again, looking back at that, makes me really question the series sometimes. Yeah, I've but, done the same thing over the last several years. But we are going to give our score to the movie. But before we do. Let's go around the internet and give some scores around the internet, okay, shall we, Mike? Let's do it. IMDb <clears throat> gives this movie six and a half out of ten. Metacritic, that's critics only, gives it forty percent. Mm. The Rotten Tomatoes combined score. I know this shocked you earlier. Thirty-one percent. That does surprise me. And Google users like this. Eighty-eight percent of Google, Google that's users. That's more. What I, I don't know about that high, but. 37 right, but that's not low. scores that's just if you like or don't yeah like. yeah yeah so i mean i even count myself amongst the person who likes this movie so i'll give my score first why the hell not and then i'll let you go into your long longer spiel so with all those things included the the mistakes some of the things that i think they could have flushed out a little better i still enjoyed this movie and uh, i'm gonna agree with mike this is still one of the better movies in this franchise which kind of shows you that this franchise should be petering downhill there's a couple more good movies in this franchise in my opinion because i even like one of these movies that we're going to talk about next year that a lot of people don't like but i like it uh and we're going to talk about one next week that i really enjoy as well but with that being said this movie man it did what it needed to do overall i thought it was a good watch it was very entertaining i give this movie a six and a half out of ten uh, it's still better than average, but it's not anything that's groundbreaking. It's definitely a departure from the classic and the legend. You can definitely see where where Friday the 13th influenced this movie. You can definitely see that that they they said, let's go away from the formula and let's start incorporating some of this slasher 
formula because there's definitely some things in this movie where you go i don't know if that was the right choice and if you go back to the first movie it wouldn't have been they definitely tried to up the body count because this movie does kill like they didn't try they did well no no no. they this movie they killed two and a half times the amount of people they killed in the original which is only technically three people four people if you count the guy at the garage Oh, they, the kill first the three, movie. they kill the three teens, and then he kills the guy when he takes the truck. And don't forget the dog. And the dog. Well, we count the dog. So it's four and a half people. And in this movie, I think the, the body counts nine or ten. I can't remember quite off the top of my head. So you, you got... So you got, you got... They definitely doubled. And with that being said, and in this one, you know, he you, you see a good boy in this one. He doesn't kill the Doberman, though. Not that we see on screen. Not least. on screen. Because remember, the dog's barking at him in the open. Oh, yeah. He doesn't like dogs. He eats them. He does, but he doesn't like them, period, because even if he doesn't eat them, he kills them. Yeah. We learned that later on. Max. Max gets it. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, with that with that being said, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I, I, I do enjoy this movie still. I think it's a good enough movie to watch. Entertainment-wise, it's there. It's just that with my critical lens on, I give it a six and a half. I think it's fair. It is a departure. They went too far away from what made the original uh, original, if you will, what made the, the it work. However, they didn't go so far away from it that it made me go, man, this is a bastardized film. They just definitely, you could definitely see the heavy influence of the slasher movie. And I, by that, I mean Friday the 13th. Right. Um, I, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to say other than what I already have. Uh, we did it again because I was also going to give this movie a six and a half, oh, 6.5 out of 10. So, you know, again, it's one of my favorites in the series. Um, it's it's got a lot of flaws, but I don't think it's a, a bad movie overall. No, no. It, it has. But this isn't Psycho Two. No, no, no. It's definitely not Psycho Two. There's nothing you know groundbreaking or anything. You know what I mean? But it has the same. You know, again, I don't know how many times I have to say this while we do this show. Suspense and atmosphere. It's got that in yeah. this movie. The music isn't as good. I don't no, know what they were thinking three years later. I don't get it. I hated that. That's just John Carpenter. Look how he's changed his directorial styles over the years. And that's suspect. Um, I had a conversation about this with the maestro last week. He agrees with what Carpenter's done, and I don't. He's a musician. The maestro is. I'm not. So I don't get it. But, you know, you have this, this amazing classic, one of the greatest scores of all time in the first one. And you go with the synthesized sound in the second one because that's kind of, I guess, what was hot at the time. Um, but... You know, it, it still has the suspense. It still has the atmosphere. And, you know, overall, I really do dig it. So for me, it's also a six and a half out of 10. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say a pretty strong six and a half out of 10. I agree with it. I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'd still recommend this movie. This is not a Absolutely. movie. You, this is not a movie you, uh, you you skip by any stretch of the imagination. Right. This is definitely uh, the, the movie that you go see. But. With that being said, though, we want to hear your opinions. What did you think about the original 1981 Halloween 2? What did, uh, what did What is your score for it? Hit us up on the social medias, HorrorZone607 on Facebook, at HorrorZone607 on Twitter and Instagram, hashtag HG607. Remember, you can check us out at 8122productions.com. Uh, find all the links up uh, there as well. And that's all I got for the people. Mike C. All right, sounds good. Uh, thanks, Rich. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in each and every week. Don't forget to check back in next week. We're going to have a whole lot of news, hopefully, to talk about, but there'll be something. There'll be some big stories. You can count on that. And, you know, again, week three of Halloween Fest is coming up where we will be discussing Halloween H2O and the greatest movie of all time, Halloween Resurrection, directed also by Hack Rosenthal. There you go. It's going to be a fun show. 
And do you want to tell us who's playing us out today before I say goodbye? Yes, uh, we are going to end with the Jasons, and this song is called Shelly's Got Shit for Brains. Uh, not that we believe that, because in real life, we, we, we really like Larry Zerner. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I think this, he would agree with this, But though. this is a great song, and uh, that's going to play you out today. So, Mike C., that is our musical playing out. And by the way, we thank the Jasons from West Virginia. Check them out anywhere you get great music for allowing us to use their music. Fun music, great guys. I met them. They're, they're awesome dudes. So, uh, But yeah, until next week, for Rich, I'm Spooky Mike saying, see ya. Oh, the kids say daddy's been a real ass.